Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, it is by your grace alone that we are saved. And we are so thankful for the everlasting hope that that salvation gives us. We're thankful, Lord, for the promise that you are with us no matter where we are. No matter what we're going through, you are with us always. You have us in your grip, and you will not let us go. And Lord, for that, we are so thankful. And Lord, we're thankful that your grip on our lives doesn't end at death, but it continues on unto eternity. We're thankful that what we have to look forward to in Christ is even better than what we get to experience now. And so, Lord, we pray. In the context of your overwhelming and unconditional love for us, that we would submit our lives to your leadership, to your guidance, to your lordship, and Lord, that we would follow you wherever you would lead. And so, Lord, now, through your word and by your Holy Spirit who is in this place, we pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord, so that we would become more like Jesus. So that when we meet people everywhere we go, they would experience Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm really excited to talk to you today about a woman whose story Jesus himself said would be told wherever the gospel is proclaimed. And the gospel is proclaimed here at First Baptist Church and it has been for 205 years. And so we're gonna tell the story of a woman who decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Just east of the city of Jerusalem, a couple of miles away from the city center, just over the Mount of Olives, is a little town called Bethany. Two miles away. You could walk there from old Jerusalem in about 40 minutes if you had a decent pace. But this is where a little family that was dear to the heart of Jesus lived. Martha, her sister Mary, and their brother Lazarus. Now, the way that they're listed indicates that Martha was the oldest, Mary was in the middle, and Lazarus was baby brother. We don't know where their parents were. Perhaps their parents had passed away at this point, but it it seems that as they lived together that Martha was kind of in charge, or at least she liked to be. She always seemed to be running the show whenever Jesus told us about them, whenever we encountered them. But Mary, We get some vignettes of Mary's life within the context of the Gospels that are so poignant and so stirring. And so today we're going to look at the life of Mary of Bethany. She's been characterized by some people as being lazy. We've seen her at one of the moments of her deepest brokenness. And we've also seen her at one of the moments where she literally poured out her all in worship and adoration of Jesus. Jesus said about her, and this is recorded in Matthew 26, 13, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And so she lived the kind of life that Jesus himself said, we would still be talking about her now a couple of thousand years later. But Mary of Bethany, Mary of Bethany, decided to follow Jesus, and her life was transformed. 
In fact, if you're taking notes, that's our text. That's our theme for the day. Mary of Bethany followed Jesus, and her life was transformed. We'll look at several different texts today, but our anchor is going to be John chapter 11, verse 5. If you're in the room, the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 897. It's not a long verse, but it's a deeply profound verse. John chapter 11, verse 5. John is writing as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, and he says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Mary, the sister decided to follow Jesus, and she was never the same. Can I just tell you as we step into the message today that Jesus loves you too? Whoever you are, wherever you are, Jesus loves you. Now, does he love all the decisions that you make? No. Does he love all the things that you do? No. Does he affirm everything that you want to be about? No. But does he love you? Oh, he does. He loves you so much to have laid down his life for you. He told his disciples that no one takes my life from me, but freely I lay it down and freely I will take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father in heaven. And the reason that he freely laid down his life was for you. And his arms are open to receive you today. And so as we look at Mary's life, and we see how she responded to Jesus' great and abiding love for her, I pray that we also, all of us, would learn a little something about how we can respond to Jesus' love for us. Well, the first vignette that I want us to look at comes in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. In the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 869. But let me read to you this passage because this is a passage with which many of us are familiar. And it's kind of funny if you want to know the truth. Luke writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve me alone or to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Our first point today is this. Mary followed Jesus to a new understanding. Mary followed Jesus to a new understanding. When I said a moment ago that some people characterized Mary as lazy, you didn't think I was talking about her own sister, did you? But that's the way it went. And if you had a sibling or you've had siblings in your household, you can see that it would make sense. Tell her to help me. Now, Martha was busy serving, and Martha, that's what she did. She did a good job. She served well. But there was a problem here as she was serving. In her service, what probably started out from a really good place took a turn inside of Martha. And it took a turn such that every time I would imagine she passed by, her Lord 
Jesus sitting there teaching in her house and she saw her sister she was not rejoicing in the fact that the Lord was in her house anymore. In fact, every time she passed by, I bet she got madder and madder and madder. Would you just look at Mary? She is just sitting. We have all these people in the house, and she is doing absolutely nothing to help me. These people need to be fed. These people's drinks need to be refilled. These people have messed up the, the, the way the living room looks, so we need to straighten that up. And there's Mary just sitting there doing nothing. How many of you can identify with Martha just a little bit? Don't point. Don't point. But here's the problem. Martha was serving Jesus for a minute. But inwardly, Martha started serving herself. Her anger was being roused because she was serving herself to some degree. And Mary wasn't helping her. She's trying to put out a good spread and put on a good show, and she's having to do it all on her own. And so all of a sudden, Martha has a prayer request of the Lord. And I want you to notice how Martha prays to Jesus. Now, she's talking to him flesh to flesh and face to face. But I want you to notice how she prays to Jesus in her anger. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now, I'm just going to advise you. That when you go to the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer, you take a little bit of a different tone than Martha did in this moment. She went from the humble servant of the Lord to the demanding servant of the Lord. Do you not care? Are you not paying attention? Do you not see me, Jesus, running around this house like a chicken with his head cut off? And Martha, Mary's just sitting there. Would you please tell her to get up? In other words, God, I believe you're God until you don't do it the way I think you should do it. So now here's the way you need to be doing this. Well, let me just tell you, that's not the kind of prayer request the Lord honors. But Jesus loves Martha too. And so how does he respond to her? I love this. I love this response. Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. It's not that you're wicked. You're just dumb. You're just not, not in the right place, Martha. Martha, Martha. You're distracted. You're distracted by many things. Your sister Mary, she's chosen what's best. Because when I come to your house, what do I need? Yeah, food and drink is nice. But when I show up at your house, I need you. Mary's chosen what's best, and I'm not going to take that away from her. This was the same Jesus who, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. How many of you are guilty of seeking other things first sometimes. Martha was seeking to be a good hostess more than she was seeking the kingdom of God in this moment. And Mary, although Martha characterized her in this moment as being lazy, and maybe you agree with Martha just a little bit, Mary had chosen the best thing. She had chosen Jesus first. And Martha was distracted. 
She was distracted. I heard one preacher say it this way. She was disattracted from Jesus because of everything else she was focused on. Sometimes when we set out with good intentions, our intentions can turn on us. And we can end up making demands of the Lord instead of humbly requesting things of the Lord. I think I love this story so much because I believe I've heard in my spirit, Jeff, Jeff. And maybe you've heard your name like that too. You are distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. Come to me. I'll take care of everything else. Uh, Jesus would prove in his ministry that he could feed people, wouldn't he? He could take a couple of loaves and some fishes and feed 5,000 men plus the women and children that are there too. He can take very little and feed 4,000 men plus the women and children are there too. And he always has leftovers. So sometimes we get concerned about things that Jesus isn't concerned with. Martha, Martha, your sister's chosen the better part and I'm not going to take that away from her. Jesus led Mary to that understanding, and I pray that he would lead us to that understanding, too. Well, our next vignette comes from John chapter 11, so I want to invite you to turn there. Going back to page 897 in the Red Pew Bible, John chapter 11, and we're going to look specifically at verses 28 through 35. But the context of what is happening in John chapter 11 is one of the most important events in the life of Jesus we have in recorded history. It is the death and subsequent resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus loved this family, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick. But Jesus didn't go right away. No, he waited. He waited. And his disciples even questioned him. He waited four days. And when Jesus finally showed up at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus had died. They had sent for Jesus and he didn't show up in time. And their brother, by all accounts, their younger brother was now dead. And he had been in the grave for four days. And that's when Jesus arrived. When Jesus got there, Martha ran out to him, but Mary didn't. Mary stayed. And Martha came out to him and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have been alive. You could have saved him. You could have done something. You could have helped. But even now, Martha said, I know that, that God will give you whatever you ask for. And Jesus in that moment gives Martha this new understanding of who he is, not just her friend, but also the one who is Lord over life and death. For he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, the one who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he said, Martha, do you believe this? And she said, yes. I believe you were the one who was to come. Well, after this deep theological teaching, Martha goes back to get her sister Mary, who had stayed at the house. And this is where the story picks up in John chapter 11, beginning with verse 28. John writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. 
And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her, Mary, in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Our second point, Mary followed Jesus to a new awe, A-W-E. Mary followed Jesus to a new awe. We don't know exactly why Mary didn't go see him when Martha went to go see him, but I have a hunch it was because she was just so broken. And her first words to Jesus were very similar to Martha's first words to Jesus. Lord, if you had just been here. Behind her words, there were a whole lot, weren't there? I thought we were close. I thought we were friends. I thought you loved us. I thought you loved Lazarus. I thought... I thought you said you'd be there for us. I thought, what I thought, I thought you'd do something. And he hadn't done anything. He hadn't come in time. And Lazarus had now been dead four days. And so when Mary comes to Jesus, she says, if you'd, if you'd been here. She's broken and she's, she's grieving. And she doesn't understand. Martha had followed up her first statement with, even now I know the Lord will give you whatever you ask. Mary didn't have anything like that. I think Mary just had her grief and her hurt and her disappointment. Have you ever come to the Lord like that? Lord, I thought you would intervene. I thought you would answer. I thought you would help. But you didn't. Where were you? Where have you been? Now, you know and I know, because you and I have the blessing of hindsight, we know what Jesus is getting ready to do. We know that he is getting ready to go to the tomb of Lazarus, and he is going to tell them to roll back the stone, and Martha's going to speak up again because Martha's in charge, and Jesus needs to know some things that he might not know. And so Martha says, Lord, if you roll back the stone right now, well, the way they write it in the King James Version is, it's been four days and he stinketh. So again, Martha is informing the Lord. Just as a side note to the message today, we don't ever have to inform the Lord. He already knows. He knew that Lazarus stunketh at this point. But he was getting ready to do something that they couldn't wrap their minds around. They knew Jesus loved them. They believed Jesus was the one who was to come, the Messiah of God. And they were glad that he was there now, but he was getting ready to show them an even greater glimpse of who he was. And so he says, roll back the stone. Even against Martha's protests, even in the face of Mary's grief, he says, roll back the stone. And then he says three words, Lazarus, come out. And he who was dead for four days got up. 
He walked out of the tomb and they had to unwrap him from the grave clothes. He who was dead was now alive and their grief turned to astonishment in this moment. It was a new awe. Lord, you're bigger than I thought you were. They learned that day what Karen Peck sings. When he's four days late, he's still right on time. And maybe right now you're in a place where the Lord doesn't seem to be listening and he doesn't seem to be aware and maybe he's ignorant of your situation and so you're filling him in day and night, letting him know this is what's going on and yet he's not moving in the way that you're asking. But just remember, you're talking to the God of the cosmos. He knows all things and he knows everything there is to know about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head, and I have a hunch you don't even know that. Even some of you with fewer to count. I believe he knows the number of cells in your body. He knows everything there is to know about you, and he is moving now in ways you cannot understand. Jesus did not need to be informed that Lazarus had died. Jesus did not need to be informed that after four days his body might be decomposing. Jesus did not need to be informed of anything about this family. He loved them and was intimately aware of what was going on in their life. He loves you and is intimately aware of what's going on in your life. Trust him. Trust him. Say, well, I still have hurt and I still have disappointment and I still have fear and I still have wonder. And here's the best thing you can do with every bit of that. You take it all to him. Lord, I have fear and I have disappointment and I have hurt and I don't understand what's going on. Where are you? And if you think this is just something that, that Jeff is making up, you can go back and read some of the Psalms, like, like Psalm 13, where David cries out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? So God loves when we bring those honest feelings to him because he knows about them anyway. So instead of just taking them on your own and saying, I've got to work through this so that then I can approach God, no, take those things to him. If you had shown up when I thought you should have shown up, Lord, all this could be alleviated. But I believe. I believe that even when you're late, you're right on time. Help my unbelief. Well, the next chapter, John 12, if you're in the Pew Bible, just turn the page to 898. One of the most beautiful moments in the entire Bible. It's recorded by Matthew and Mark and John. Let me read to you this text, John chapter 12. This is subsequent to the raising of Lazarus, but Jesus is back in Bethany, and he is heading to his own death. But only he knows that at this point. John records this is carried along by the Holy Spirit in John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Incidentally, that's good practice. If Jesus raises your brother from the dead. Give him a dinner. He's, he's, he's worth it. Martha served, no surprise there, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. 
Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Our third point today is this. Mary followed Jesus to a new devotion. Mary followed Jesus to a new devotion. Imagine this scene. They're in the house of Simon the leper. Well, they're not in the house of Simon the leper because if Simon were still a leper, they couldn't be in Simon's house. So they're in the house of Simon who used to be a leper until he met Jesus. And there is Simon the former leper and there is Lazarus the former dead man. Lazarus has overcome his bout with death. And here's Martha doing what she does and serving and here's Jesus, the one, the one who made Simon the former leper and who made Lazarus the formerly dead. And they're giving a dinner in his honor. And while Martha's serving, here comes Mary. And the writer of the Synoptic Gospels, the writers, Matthew and Mark, they tell us that she brought an alabaster jar of pure nard. It was worth 300 denarii. That's about a year's wages. So whatever you make in a year, that's what this was worth. And Mary brought it and she broke the jar. Matthew and Mark tell us that she anointed his head and John tells us that she anointed his feet. You say, which one was it? Yes. She loved Jesus. And he who had given her back her life that had been stolen by the grief over her little brother's death. He who had given Lazarus back his life. He who had given Simon back his life. He was worthy of worship. And so Mary comes bringing this alabaster jar of pure nard, a spice from India, this ointment that the Romans used to anoint their heads, and she breaks the jar and she anoints Jesus. It was an act of worship. Every Sunday we take up an offering. That's not paying the bills at church. That's worship. She so valued Jesus that she came to pour out what he had given to her upon him, to lavish him with her worship because he had so lavished her with his love. Now, not everybody appreciated this great act of service and devotion. Judas got mad because Judas, well, he cares about real ministry. Why don't we take care of the poor? Judas didn't care about the poor. He cared about the money. Remember, Jesus knows our hearts. He knows everything there is to know about us. And he saw the beautiful heart of Mary as she poured out this offering upon her Savior and her Lord. She was devoted to him because he had so loved her that she loved him in return. 
John would write later in his letter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And Mary loved Jesus because he first loved her. And so she had a new understanding, a new awe, and a new devotion to him. Jesus loves you. How are you loving him in return? How are you illustrating to him and to the world your devotion that all might know his love? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.